Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and today I am chatting with a another foster mama who is amazing named Jules. Thank you for being here, Jules. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So can you give us a little bit of background about yourself and your family right now? Yeah. So I am a foster mom now. Um, I actually grew up in a foster home. My, my biological parents were foster parents and my two youngest sisters were adopted through the foster care system after a collective, like seven or eight years in our home. So we became a foster family when I was six and our home closed when I was in ninth grade, I believe. So for most of my formative years, I was a, we, we were a foster home. What was that and, like for you? Like, what was it like to grow up in a foster home? Cause I think one question always that comes up is, you know, a lot of moms asking me, well, how will this affect my biological kids? If we're, we're not sure if you want to foster. And I love like that you were just so willing to come and chat about what it was like for you in that experience. Yeah. So it was definitely interesting. And that was, that was, a, I think a fear that my parents had, but honestly, that was a fear that all of my parents' friends had of like, what are you doing to your bio kids? And like having to have those like conversations that they navigated. I actually also grew up as a pastor's kid. And I tell people all the time, it was much more traumatic (laughs) for lack of a better term for me to be a pastor's kid than a, like to grow up in a foster home. I talk with foster parents all the time now who are considering fostering or they're, they're going through the training and they're like, but what does this look like for my, my kids that I permanently have in my home? And I tell them all the time, if you are a family who is considering fostering, chances are that you are bringing up your children who are permanently in your home to be aware of other people, to be aware of needs of others, to be aware of how we can love others. And I think that my parents really gave me a gift in opening our home. We were actually a therapeutic home. And so the things that my parents said yes to were a little bit more difficult maybe than um, what they would have said to had we not been a therapeutic licensed home. And so the things that my eyes were open to were just a lot more than your average six, seven, eight-year-old. And I learned to have compassion from a young age for kids um, who were my peers and things that they were going through. Um, I remember specifically this kid in fifth grade, he peed his pants and that is just not a typical fifth grade behavior. And everybody was making fun of him. And I remember thinking, I don't, I don't remember how I specifically handled it, but I remember thinking to myself, that's not normal that a fifth grader would pee his pants. And I bet something's going on. That's just making him upset. And that's not a normal fifth grade response to a fifth grader peeing his pants either. And so I I credit my parents to, to really teaching me, like, sometimes we don't know the full story. And sometimes people behave a certain way when they are responding to things that are hard at home or hard in their personal life. And so I saw that firsthand and was taught how to deal with that maybe a little better than your average child would. Hmm. That is such a gift. You're absolutely right. And I love the way that you said that because 
that's how I look at it too with our kids. And like, I want my kids to grow up not in this like sheltered, like whitewashed community. I want them to experience diversity. I want them to experience loving someone who, you know, God loves very much, but the world has not been very kind to. And just what does that look like? Well, and, and from a gospel perspective too, I, I saw a real tangible example of what love is and what the gospel looks like from a very young age to say, God has called us to love our neighbor as ourselves and our neighbor can look like a lot of different things. And sometimes that looks like kids that reject our love. And I saw my parents really, really navigate what grief looks like. I, I remember, um, I think I was in third grade. I saw my dad really like cry for the very first time. My sister went home for, to her birth family for a time and we thought it was the end. Um, you know, God writes stories that we, we can never imagine, but I saw my dad collapse in a parking lot and just sob his eyes out and how my parents navigated that it still sticks with me to this day of like appropriately handling grief and saying, if I believe what I believe about God, then this is what my life has to look like. Whoa. Okay. Well, I have huge tears in my eyes right now because that is so powerful and just what a hard thing for you to have to see, you know, in third grade, but also just like you said, like it stuck with you in a good way that like you know, this is our opportunity as foster parents and believers to really walk the walk. And if we say we believe, and if we say that this is God's heart, then wow, what does our life have to look like? And what does it get to look like because of that choice to believe that? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what about when you were growing up as, as a biological child in a foster family, what did it look like for you when things were like, I don't know, difficult with a new placement. What was hard about it for you? What was difficult for you growing up? So from a practical standpoint, so my first foster sister, when I was six, our very first placement, um, we became a foster home because my mom is an American sign language interpreter. She teaches sign language and they became aware of a of an eight-year-old deaf child who needed a, a temporary placement. And so my parents were like, yeah, we can say yes for a period, you know. And the agency that I actually work for right now has a rule that you can't go out of birth order with your placements. And I'm a huge advocate of that because of my first experience with foster care. It like turned my world upside down. I was exposed to things I probably should not have been exposed to because of her trauma. But, you know, we, we learned a lot. We still have some of the relationship with her to this day. And that, that was interesting for sure. I learned sign language very quickly. So that was, that was a, a plus, but I would say another thing that I learned growing up was for better or for worse, like how my parents parented me was different than how my parents parented my foster siblings. Our first foster care placement was the only child who did not eventually permanently stay with us. And so there were things growing up, I'd be like, well, you would have punished me for that. And so learning that, you know, that that can be difficult to navigate as a child, like, well, how come I get in trouble when I do that? But she doesn't get in trouble when she does that. And, you know, therapy and 
trauma response understanding and lot, lots of psychology progressions have happened in the last 20 years. So that, that may look different now, but even then I was just like, this is not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but having those conversations with my parents of like, well, this is because this, and you did not grow up in this atmosphere. And so there are consequences when you do this, because you understand the implications and the consequences of your, your choices and your behavior. So I would say those were uh, some things that specifically stuck out to me, but honestly, it was just for me, normal life. Cause that's how I grew up. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for sharing the hard stuff, but also just like the fact that even though those things were difficult, that you still led with, it was a gift. I'm so glad, you know, that my parents did it. Cause I think we can have these fears in our mind that would maybe prevent us from fostering or even prevent us from considering how to help foster parents or be involved in some way. And it's like, well, if you really investigate, you know, many people like yourself are saying, yeah, it was a great thing that my family did. I'm happy that we did it. Yes, there was hard things, but there's hard things about every family. And so that's important. Yeah, I would, I, I typically talk about this with people who are considering fostering and, or, or are saying, how do I help a foster family? The thing that I remember that has really shaped my life both professionally and personally was when we first started fostering, when I should say, when my parents first started fostering, the people that were, I don't know that they were opposed, but were like much more hesitant. Like, what's this going to do to your kids? Much more like, I'm going to hold you at arm's length. Um, were the people that went to church with us. Mm. And I think their concerns were coming from a, from a place of love um, they, they out of care for me and my other biological sister, but the people who really stepped up and supported my family with the exception of one person were people that I went to public school with, like their parents who necessarily maybe didn't profess Christ. Mm -hmm. And so the people that were stepping up and really caring for my parents and, and me and my sisters by, by extension were people who were just like, Hey, I think what you're doing is neat. And I want to help you. Not the people who we were in, like, Christian community with. And even from a young age, I saw that and I was like, that is not how that is supposed to be. Yeah. So how did that impact you? Like as you grew up and grew into your faith and made it your own thing, how did that work for you? So, uh, through lots of twists and turns and all of that, I eventually decided that I wanted to do some kind of family ministry professionally, vocationally. Um, and so I went to seminary, um, in Alabama and I met my husband there and through my schooling actually found a church that does foster care ministry, just like exceptionally well here in Alabama and had an internship at that church. And we really found a mentor. I found a mentor at that church who poured into me and said, I really think this is a calling in your life. How can I help you with this? And she introduced me to the agency that I now work for. And they, they are a Christian nonprofit foster care licensing agency and are supported primarily through churches. And so our foster families come from churches that support us. Our volunteers come through churches that support us. And it really is coming from a heart of if God calls us to do this, what does this look like? And it has been very exciting for me to be able to kind of what I saw as a, as a problem from a young age have professionally been able to say, I want to be a part of the solution to this and have been able to do that in my young professional career and hope to continue to be able to do that in 
the rest of my career. I think this is something that I am called to. And so that has been exciting to be able to do that professionally. And then now personally in my own home, I tell my parents all the time, I'm really grateful for their yes, because their yes has not only changed my family, but through, through an extension has changed the lives of hundreds of kids because of what I'm able to do through work that I never would have known was an option had my family not said yes to that when I was six. Oh my gosh, that gives me goosebumps, like just chills. I feel like that's like my hope so deeply is like that my kids' lives will be changed, that they would then impact other kids and other people in the world because of having this experience. And that's really just like you said, that's the gift. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know really quickly about some amazing free resources for foster mamas on my website, fearlessfostering.com. I have a self-care quiz that will help you decide exactly what type of self-care you need at this point on your foster care journey, as well as a virtual retreat for foster mamas and an anxiety reducing email course all for free. Check it out right now on fearlessfostering.com. So what do your parents say? Like when you, like, I mean, when you decided this was your career path and that you wanted to be a foster mom, what did they say? What did that conversation look like? So my, my biological sister also works well, she just had a baby and sent in her resignation, but she worked for the state, their foster care state agency there in the state that she lives in. And so both of us professionally have worked or do work in this world. And I think my parents have always been supportive of whatever we have felt like God is calling us to do. That is what they care most about. But there have been a few times that I've been able to specifically talk to them and just say, thank you for their yes. And what that has looked like. And they always are just like, you know, we're just humbled that God has used this and us saying, yes, they're very aware of what we have said yes to because I was aware of what that looks like practically. My husband and I set some very clear boundaries with the state that we are licensed through. Uh, this will be an absolute no. Um, mm-hmm. these things were open to, but because I knew what some of those therapeutic things looked like that was not going to be an option for us my my two youngest sisters who were adopted um, they still have severe mental illness and so that's something that's still in our family Um, and I just was like if that's in my family I can't say yes to that being in my immediate family right now because I have to have the capacity to be able to handle things now and so I, I think that too was a gift for us to know what we could say yes and had to say no to things are definitely not easy, but I can call my mom and be like, this is happening. And I feel crazy. And she's like, you're not crazy. You know, she can talk me through that. And, and she really understands what we're going through. There's not like a, Oh, it could be harder or, Oh, it could be worse. Like, that's just not helpful. Nope. And she's not going to be the person to say that to me. Like She's going to say, you know, you just have to have patience. You have, to, I mean, some of it is not stuff that I necessarily want to hear, but it's true. And I know that it's true coming from her because she's lived it too. So, and that's the exact thing, like just that, that shared lived experience of this difficult and un abnormal thing is like, okay, wow. It, it like lands a little different when someone is saying it, who's been there themselves. Definitely. Yes. So tell me about your experience with fostering as a foster mom right now. How's that going? You know, we just never (laughs) envisioned that this would be it. My husband and I have been married for under three years. And when we were discussing what our family would look like, 
neither of us really knew if we wanted biological children. And with my lived experience that I've had, he, you know, we, we saw that there was a need. We said, okay, we can step up and have our home open and we'll have some kids come live with us. And we just never imagined our first yes would be like a big yes uh, Mm -hmm. in the way that it has been. And never imagined that we'd just have two kids right off the bat. That has been uh, quite a fun experience going from zero kids to two kids. So it's, it's been a time. It's been very interesting. Uh, I, I would say the hardest thing for me has been working in this world. My specific role at my job is to support foster parents. So I recruit volunteers and I train volunteers for the purpose of supporting our foster families. And because I work at this agency, I can't be licensed through this agency. And instead I'm licensed through the state and what the state can provide for foster families just looks a lot different than what my private agency can uh, Mm. provide for foster parents. And so that has really been hard to go to work and work 40 hours a week to make sure our foster parents have anything they need or want to some degree. And then kind of feel like I'm on an Island by myself. You know, my husband and I we're a team, but it, it kind of feels like we're a team of two sometimes. Um, and so that has definitely been difficult to try to navigate. Yeah, I can imagine that would be like you said, and that's one thing that, you know, it varies so much, um, state to state and agency to agency, but it would be very difficult to have that experience of like, I know the support that could be so helpful and I see it and I provide it for other people, but it's not necessarily happening over here. What do you think through your professional work or just through your own lived experience as a foster sister or foster mom, what is a very like important support that you feel is very important for foster families to have? Honestly, this is like, (laughs) this is so obvious, but really just like a break, like a two hour break, a three hour break, like, and like daytimes are really nice. Like I, I don't want to be picky about when I get my breaks and I don't think any other foster family would be either, but like being willing to step in and say, we're going to take bath time and bedtime. Like y'all go on a, on a dinner date so that you don't have to do bedtime and bath time tonight. And they'll be asleep when you get home. Like that is the hardest part of the day. Like everybody is wide open throttle ahead. Medications have worn off. Like <laughs> all of the things. And so I understand that somebody stepping in and saying, Hey, we're going to handle this for you is a, is a big offer or a big ask on our end. But like, that is what we need. And that is what we just haven't gotten. And so like, we are so appreciative of daytime help, but evening help would be really great. And I think it's so good that you're even just saying that here, like whoever hears it, whatever, but like, just for all of us to be able to step into that place of like, hmm, what would be the most helpful thing for us right now? And then really saying it, because I think sometimes there's this hesitancy to either be that vulnerable or to like that we're burdening someone. And it's like, like sometimes when my husband and I go out, I'm like, well, I'll make sure all the kids are in bed first before we leave the house. I'm like, I get tired at nine o'clock at night. Like yeah. I'm ready for bed at nine. I don't want to be going on a date yeah. at like 830 at night. So yeah, just to be able to like, take up space a little bit and be like, you know, if I had my druthers, this is what we would, this yes. is what would really serve us well. So yeah. hmm, I hope that happens for you guys. And I wish I lived closer. <laughs> we could do swaps. Yes. Um, swaps would be amazing. <laughs> swaps would be amazing. I know. Okay. Well, your wisdom has been incredible. I feel like you have just so much goodness to share. But I want to know just kind of what is one encouragement that you would give to a foster family or a prospective foster family 
about entering into this, this mission work of foster care? I have one practical thing and then one like less practical thing I'll say. My first super practical thing is um, my mom did a really good job of this when I was growing up of the way that we talked about the kids that were in our home, whether it, they were there for six months or 16 years was this is your sibling. You will talk about them as if they are your sibling because they are your sibling. Um, one time she, I was in a bad mood and she was like, I need help with your sister. Can you help me do this with your sister? And I was like, that's not my sister. And oh, that was the <laughs> way <Watch out> now. <laughs> but I think so often we like, I think out of like a protective capacity of our own, we are like, well, that's not my kid. Or we allow our kids to be like us versus them or whatever, but that matters for the kids who are placed in your home and the kids who are always in your home, that it's not an us versus them mentality. And I think that's something to consider as you pray about and think about fostering, that that is super, super important. But also this is probably like a little bit opposite of what I would be expected to say fostering is not for everybody. Like the act of fostering is not for everybody. It is a very hard thing. Um, there is just no way to sugarcoat that. And I don't think it should be sugarcoated, but doing something in the world of foster care is for everybody. This is a very real thing that's happening in our nation. That's happening in our States. There are lots and lots of kids who need homes. And for the people who are saying yes to having their homes opened, they need support, they need help. And so if foster care is not an appropriate yes for you, either in this season or just in general, that's okay. There should be no guilt associated with that. But the, the whole, everybody can do something is true, very true here. Like dropping off a meal, helping with laundry, babysitting in the evening, like whatever that looks like, what whatever you can say yes to, there is an appropriate yes. And whether that looks like getting to know a, a foster parent that you might know in your community, or if you don't know a foster parents in your community, reaching out to agencies, whether they're nonprofit agencies or um, state agencies and saying, hey, I can't say yes to fostering, but I want to say yes to something that would just be huge. And I think people would be like, okay, there, you can help us with this, 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 and this. So knowing that yes is not appropriate always um, in this world, but saying yes to something is. Yeah. I love that so much. That is such a good encouragement and such wisdom. And I also was just thinking, as you were saying that, like, if potentially more people were willing to foster because they felt they'd be more supported. And then the people who fostered and said yes to fostering did feel very supported. I think that would also have a very positive impact on, you know, relationships with bio family members and just extending as far out, you know, into that experience of foster care for everybody. Because when some people, when everyone is better taken care of, we can show up better for each other. And yeah. I think that would just have such an amazing ripple effect. So I think that's another encouragement for people to think about is not only would you be serving this foster family, but you'd also be serving them like with rest and like care for themselves so that they can show up better too, not only for the kids in their care, but for, you know, the difficult things that they're navigating day to day with, you know, court and yes. appointments and just difficult other stuff. So, yeah. yeah. That's so good. Oh my goodness. Well, Jules, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you. And I literally just want to hand you over the microphone and just let you just keep going. And I feel like you definitely should come back on again because you have so much goodness to share. But I really appreciate you and um, wishing you all the best. Thanks for having me. This has been really fun.